everyone, I'm Madeline Park, stylist and vintage fashion hound. I believe everything has a story, whether it be clothes or the people that wear them. For the opening season of 2021, I bring together stories of hope and positive change and have partnered with innovative florist Little Flowers with the idea that flowers offer us a beauty that naturally gives joy and are a potent symbol of change and development. Like Little Flowers, season four of Style Stories aims to put more smiles on more faces more often. Today, I'm chatting with Sarah Regan, advertising director turned happiness spreader. Sarah launched her budding business, Little Flowers, eight years ago with a model that focuses on the thought rather than the theatrics of giving flowers. Sarah may have now swapped her suits and stilettos for a simpler style, but as her florist flourishes, so does her confidence both in how she works and what she wears. I've kept Sarah's natural style simple and sunny in easy-to-wear tailored shorts by Anna Kwan and a reclaimed silk equipment shirt available at mablinpark.co. I hope you can sit back, relax, and enjoy listening to Sarah's story. Hi, Sarah. Thank you for joining me today. Such a pleasure. And thank you. Um, I'm so excited that Little Flowers, your amazing innovative florist brand, is um, collaborating with Style Stories this season. Excited to be here. So thank you for the invite. (laughs) It's a bit of a privilege. Oh, Um, Now, I know with Little Flowers, one of the things you guys promote is uh, more smiles on more faces more often. Yeah, that's right. So let's go to your beginnings. As a child, were you the type of kid that liked to please other people? Uh, Yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the kind of adult that likes to please other people as well. Yeah. (laughs) To my detriment sometimes, you know. Um, Yeah, I think so, definitely. Um, I think I was a pretty easygoing, happy kid. Yeah. Um, but I think probably part of that was, yeah, yeah, you know, being good and making mum happy and, yeah, not getting into too much trouble. So, yeah, definitely on the straight and narrow. And you, you grew up in England? I did, in London. Yeah, North okay. West London. Okay, so yeah. can you paint a quick picture of what that, like, what that childhood looked like for you? Yeah, um, pretty, I guess, like, suburban, so... Um, you know, grew up in, yeah, like outer London, so you're on the tube line and quite close to the centre of things, and, um, but very much like a suburban family, you know. Yeah. Um, and like nice garden, my mum was really into gardening. <laughs> um, had a brother, so I've got an older brother, he's three years older than me. Yeah. Um, went to like a really nice little primary school, there were fields, you know, on the way into school and stuff. So yeah. it was kind of, it was in London, but on the outer bit so it was kind of best of both worlds really yeah so your your childhood was colored with gardens and flowers yeah my mum definitely has like the best garden in the street she's still in the same house now yeah and um my dad did like crazy paving um like patio which was like big in the 1980s <laughs> and a big arch at the end so there was like a vegetable patch at the bottom of the garden yeah um and my mum my cut out all the borders around the garden and um I've got a stepdad now who's done a pond so it's like literally if you look out of my what's still my room when I go home yeah you can see all the gardens in the street yeah um and my mum's aside the showcase the absolutely <laughs> yeah and in your childhood what's your first um memory of a relationship to fashion um I think just probably 
my mum being really into kind of making clothes and being into clothes and, and being quite a creative person. So she used to work in the rag trades, being a pattern cutter, which right. if I understand it correctly, is mm-hmm. kind of someone comes up with a design and then you have to, um, you, I guess, do the technical bit that, cr- that transforms it into something that's actually wearable mm-hmm. and can be created. Um, you know, quite a, a, do you make the quite pattern quite a science the, the to it, right? I think so, yeah. I yeah. think it's creative, but also quite technical. Yes. Yeah. Um, so there were always like, low, my mum had, um, drawers under the bed and there's just always like loads of material there and yeah. they just sort of had it there and not used it all for about 40 years you know it's probably yeah. still there some of it um but she'd make make clothes for me when I was a kid and lots of toys and stuff as well so she's quite a creative spirit um so I think just that in general like mum being really into her clothes yeah um but when I was some Catholic went to a Catholic school you have first holy communion when yes. you're like seven or eight or something and mum went all out with like the first holy communion dress because it's like a little bridesmaid dress mm. and she did like the mock-up version and all of that sort of stuff <laughs> um, very invested <laughs> yeah like took a lot of pride in it and I felt really special I think because I was having this like special outfit made yeah um and she did a sort of um heads piece as well with a little veil on it and yeah it had, that had flowers on it and little pearls which right. I hadn't thought about in yeah forever yeah um but yeah, so that's probably the biggest memory of having something bespoke made for me. <laughs> it's a spoiled child. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was, yeah, quite special. That flower crown was something that you held onto, was it? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, well, I haven't physically held onto yeah. it, so it's sort of, you know, got chucked out probably years ago now. But yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was one of those things, you know, it's quite girly and special and the flowers made it feel really pretty. So yeah, that that's definitely a standout item yeah um, from my childhood for sure and your mum was she quite glamorous or practical like uh, having worked in the fashion industry or uh, as you say the rag trade um how did she kind of represent herself um I think she's quite yeah she's quite practical I think she's probably quite perfectionist as well yeah like she likes to do things properly Mm. um have you picked up some of those tendencies from her yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the older you get, the more you realise you're turning into your mum as well, don't you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think she would say that. I think she she um, thinks that sometimes I've gone on off on an unexpected tangent. But yeah, yeah I think she's been quite influential, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, she's quite particular, likes to do things properly. Um, she'll get really stuck in and get into the detail of, of stuff to do a good job, definitely. Right. Yeah. And in terms of creative spirit and, and influences in your childhood, yeah. what, what kind of... Um, outlets were there for you creatively well I think the school I went to like when my friends I'm still friends with a lot of um people who I went to primary school with which is really lovely Mm. and I think when we all look back on it the general consensus is it was a really great school because there were loads of great people there academically maybe not that amazing but creatively yeah it was really nice because there were always plays and um dress ups and um, lots of kind of art competitions and that sort of thing. Mm. So I think school was probably quite good. And living in London as well, there was I think I took for granted probably just the proximity to like great galleries and museums and stuff like that. So mm. my dad would take me and my brother up to the National Gallery, for example, mm. on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it was not really till I got to Australia actually that I realised how lucky I was having that exposure as a kid and that on the doorstep because that was just a kind of we didn't do it all the time but it was a fairly regular outing you know going up to town to see something yeah and you know into my 20s and 
and that as well. So yeah. and yeah. and uh, in preparing for this interview, you yeah. uh, you mentioned that you did have like a very creative auntie that auntie was Eileen. a big yeah. influence on yeah. you. What what did she do and what was she like? Um, Eileen is she's a real go getter, mm. and she uh, we used to go and visit her in Ireland, and she would always have some activities and stuff on. Yeah, and she's. Um, kind of quite well connected and like <laughs> socializing and stuff so we'd often have like art days at her house I've yeah. still got a painting on my, in my mum's kitchen that I did at Eileen's house when I was like 13 or something what was it of flowers actually yeah. in a vase yeah <laughs> funny enough <laughs> that's strange um yeah prize a place in my mum's kitchen yeah um yeah and like that horse rides she had a friend who was an artist I remember going into Dublin like walking on all these kind of cobbled streets to her friend's art studio and having a peek in there and she'd take us to the theatre and that that sort of stuff so did you did, at the time did you realize how special that was is it exciting I think, or um I think in some ways it was a little bit intimidating I suppose because right. it wasn't the kind of thing that we would always do yeah um so we'd go out to maybe a restaurant that was a little bit posher maybe than I would <laughs> normally go to it's a bit intimidating but um I think you probably appreciate all these things as you get older, mm. but I always had a, a good time there and she really made a big effort to um, kind of keep us entertained and there was always a real creative sort of bent on that, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah, so it's good. So good you, memories. you kind of thrived on having a, you know, a, a, a school experience that promoted creativity. Definitely um, primary school. Yeah, right, okay. And then yeah. high school? What was high school like for you? So no, I think high school's probably a bit harder. I think high school's just a harder environment yeah. in general, isn't it? Uh, being <laughs> a teenage a girl, I think, is like one of the trickiest yeah, kind of times over. in your life, isn't it? Um, yeah, so high school's probably a bit harder, but um, like art was definitely my favourite subject. Mm. So art and English were probably the subjects that I excelled in. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of that stuff probably fell off. A bit in yeah. secondary school as I got older. Um, yeah. And I, I've read somewhere that you're a huge fan of Prince. Is that correct? <laughs> I do read that. <laughs> I don't, I'm a, a fair, yeah, a yeah. fan of Prince. I went to see him at the um, Opera House, actually. Oh, did you? Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah I saw yeah. him when he was in Australia um, as well. And, you know, now that he's no longer with yeah. us, and you realise how lucky you are to kind of see yeah. an idol like that. Yeah. But was that a teenage kind of adoption? Like, was he one of your teenage idols? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. I think that my, so my brother's really into music. Right. To the point of being quite annoying about it sometimes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, not now. Now it's more of a shared interest. But when yeah. I was a kid, he was like, he'd play sort of like the first five seconds of a song, go, what's this, what's this, and try and test me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I would have been, yeah, Prince would have probably been on the list, but I think... Um, yeah, they're just music in general. Yeah. Yeah. In excess, actually. Good Australian oh, band. There you go. One. Yeah. <laughs> he was calling you, was it? <laughs> yeah. We went to see in excess at uh, Wembley Stadium, actually, because we were living just sort of 10 minutes up the road. Right. So, yeah, oh, that was how amazing. Good, that was a good teenage memory. Yeah, sure. I yeah. bet. Yeah. Um, so, what, what, you know, teenage years are often like that time where you start to break out and kind of find eccentric ways of identifying yourself right. was it, what were you what were you like as a teenager and how did you kind of find ways to identify yourself oh, good question um I don't know I remember those years just being probably a little bit awkward and like a bit a bit hard I suppose yeah um 
I definitely, I was really, like, my favourite subjects at school were, like, photography, graphic design. Um, so I don't I remember putting a lot of effort into those subjects at school mm -hmm. and having, that was a bit of a hobby, I suppose. But um, I don't know, I don't think I, I think I managed to stay on the straight and narrow, which is good, but yeah. I, I, think, <laughs> I can't remember doing anything particularly interesting yeah. during those years. I don't know, I'd have to rack the brain a bit more for that. <laughs> you moved on to study psychology um, yes. at university, yeah. correct? Yeah. Um, was that kind of the compassionate, like little girl that wanted a please side kind of coming out in you or was it maybe the nosy side of me <laughs> I don't know quite I'm quite curious about people probably a bit like yourself like yeah. I like learning about people and hearing their stories yeah. and um kind of getting under the skin of things I suppose um yeah and so I studied psychology we were really lucky because I went to a sixth form college so between I think it's probably a bit different here but 16 to 18 you get a chance to leave school and go right. to Psychology had treated a bit more as a grown-up. Mm. Um, and they had psychology that was just quite unusual. But, um, yeah, studied that for a couple of years. The teachers were awesome. And, yeah, it just sparked my interest. I thought just, yeah, I mean, I think I've always been interested in people and, like, chatting to people and finding out about them. Um, and maybe being a bit of a people pleaser is, is part of that. But I think I'm quite curious and interested in people. So, yeah, yeah that was probably the driver, I guess. And from there you moved into advertising, is that right? Yeah. So I remember being oh, just kind of overwhelmed. I think it, there's quite a lot of pressure, isn't there, at that age to sort of work out what you're going to do with the rest of your life. Mm. Um, <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's hard, it's hard. So I sort of searched through the careers office and, you know, they have all these brochures. And I just thought, God, it just it all sounds a bit boring. Yeah. So... Um, and psychology is one of those degrees or subjects that you know it kind of there's a bit of it in everything but it doesn't yeah. necessarily take you to one That's specific right. yeah, thing unless you exactly. kind of go down the counseling like clinical and route yeah I think when you do your degree you realize that you've sort of just scratched the surface really so if you want to go on and be a psychologist there's actually heaps more study to do like you, you yes. don't know what you're doing when you walk out of your degree really you yeah. know um and I think I was ready to earn some money and get out in the world and mm. Um, I thought maybe I'll go back to that when I'm, when I'm a bit older, mm. you know, have a bit more life experience. So yeah. I wanted to keep the door open to it, but was keen to kind of get into the workforce. Um, so, yeah, so, and, and actually a lot, I think a lot of graduate schemes in England, certainly, they want you to, you know, you have to have a degree to get in the door to a lot of places. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it doesn't necessarily matter what it is. But yeah, but that makes your options broader. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but the advertising one, I was like, oh, I like the sounds of this because it just, it sounded like a fun, creative environment <coughs> um, and something where I didn't necessarily have to be the creative person per se. Yeah. But you get to work in that environment and create something and um, that really appealed to me. Having myself done a major career change and yeah. worked in corporate and moved to a more creative kind of fluid job if you like yeah. uh I often look back at the like the image of myself in that role and kind of have a bit of a giggle yeah. do you kind of look do you like how would you describe the image of yourself when you're like that young person that's starting off in a kind of corporate world and it's all fast-paced and exciting Do, yeah. how would you reflect back on the image of yourself in that job um look I think there's a bit of me that's still that person yeah. you know what I mean but um oh, I think 
when I first started out just being quite overwhelmed with it and a bit intimidated because like advertising agencies, you know, because it's a big corporate job. You've not been in these sort of office environments before in that mm. capacity. I've definitely felt a bit of pressure. Um, and I think that the agency environment as a whole is awesome because it's like fun, young, creative, like mm. quite cool people. Mm. Um so it kind of makes me laugh a little bit to think that I've managed to be a part <laughs> of that. Um, and the idea of like teetering around on like those massive hills yeah. every day. Yeah. I'm like, how did I do that? I'm yeah. not sleeping mental. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think, yeah, like, lots of really good memories from that time, but also like, oh God, I must have been mad. Just like very, very long hours. Yeah. Very high hills. Yeah. <laughs> Living fast <laughs> too, I imagine. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Lots of fun. It was really good. And did... Did advertising bring you to Sydney? Yes, yeah. There's actually, I think, still probably quite a lot of English people in the industry over here. Mm. So, um, I, yeah, I came over on a working holiday visa, but I was always intending to stay for, you know, kind of more than three months or to stay for a year or two. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I managed to get a job quite quickly. And other than in excess, was there any <laughs> <laughs> other major drivers to come to Australia? It's like, the, was it the weather, you know, because I know that yeah. that's quite an English thing. I just want to be where it's sunny. <laughs> yeah, those dark English winters are hard. Um, I'd been uh, to Australia before for six weeks. Right. And I was, I'd always had it in mind that it would be nice to work abroad and have that experience. Um, and when you're English, you get to have there's a window if you s- turn 30 like you, you're you're out they won't <laughs> let you too in late yeah. <laughs> so i think i was 29 i was like what if i want to do it i'm gonna do it now yeah. but yeah the, i mean the weather was yeah it's definitely definitely part of it and i think a bit of an adventure and it, just pushing myself a little bit and trying something different yeah yeah and g- given all the kind of differences whether it's the weather or just just generally the very laid-back attitude did you find yeah. that your you kind of shifted your own image a little bit? Like, did you start to dress a bit differently once you moved country or not really? I definitely remember there being just stuff that I wore in England that just was not very cool. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) And I noticed all the Australian women are, like, very glamorous. Because I think in London I'd be jeans and a top all the time, you know, jeans and a little top and some high heels for going out. Yeah. And... um, the Aussie women, they're just in dresses all the time. And I, I still haven't managed to nail that. <laughs> I still don't own enough dresses. Do you think that's enough. a Sydney thing or do you find... Yeah, maybe. I think Melbourne yeah. probably be a bit more like London, I suspect. Yeah. I haven't spent enough time down there. But yeah. Yeah, It's funny, isn't it? Because we kind of have our own vision of ourselves is like... Um, you know, like, oh, we're a bit slobby, you know, like slobby Australians um, oh, compared okay. to, you know, Europe or New York or yeah, LA, you know. Okay. But yeah. uh, I, I suppose I think, I feel like I've got two homes, I guess, because I don't know, like London is still, you know, very much part of my identity and... Um, In what ways? Yeah. Well, yeah, good question, I suppose. I don't know. I think there's just something fundamental about that's my home. My family's there. I've still got lots of friends and lots of connections there, so... Um, yeah, so two homes. Yeah, I would say. yeah. Um, you made what you call quite an audacious move to leave advertising and yes. start Little Flowers. Yeah. Um, were you 
were you always a bit ballsy like that? Like to be able to no. make a decision like that? No, not at all. What do you think? <laughs> it was completely out of character. <laughs> what um, but I quite love that it? it was because it just makes me think like, my gosh, if I've managed to do this, like what else could I do? Yeah. And I think that for everyone else as well, you know, what can we all do if we put our minds to it and actually have a crack and believe that things could be possible? Because this is very, like kind of just a bit of a, curveball in life like in a really good way mm. um so I feel yeah just really excited that I've managed to make it work and bring it this far and yeah yeah that's really exciting to me and you've said before that Anita Roderick from the body shop was like yes. a big kind of not mentor but influence on you yeah was I that something that you kind of was she someone that you looked to as a as a young woman in business and did you yeah, always think look, maybe I think as a kid like the body shop was massive I don't know if it was over no, here no it was massive it was absolutely like a really big thing in the 1980s and I used to love that the little, shop um, the little, little bath balls oh my god I used to just love going in there and sticking <laughs> my hand everything. in the jar and just yeah, playing so with good. them and the little so soaps with yeah. like little animals and stuff actually um <laughs> it's 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 made a bit of a reconnaissance in our household because somebody bought a body shop, a body shop pack for oh, my daughter okay. for her and birthday. She, she was into it. She's into it, but I think yeah. I'm still like it's strawberry. And yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, that was my <laughs> favourite. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> totally, totally was yeah. a. Uh, if you were a 1980s girl in in Australia, yeah, the body yeah. shop was yeah, a big okay. deal. Yeah, yeah, really big deal, and just like very forward thinking, like about the environment and social issues and things like that. Actually, I worked for the body shop for a while actually when I was at university. Mm. Um, and they just had really good training. They were really good with their team. And I think, I think all the I've had lots of jobs throughout university and college and stuff. I've always worked. And I think you take lots of the good things along the way. I certainly haven't been conscious of trying to do that to make little flowers a good business and mm. a good place to work. Yeah, like I want to be a force for good. I think I I'm really lucky in because I get to make people happy every day, mm. right? So. Mm-hmm. You know, the flowers are a vehicle for this like, beautiful gesture from one person to another. And being part of that is a privilege and it's exciting. Yeah. And keeping the flowers affordable means that more people can do that mm. for more reasons. And that, that's kind of fun and sweet and lovely and, and makes me really happy. But I think, I think that the way it's not just about the idea for little flowers, it's about like every way that it operates and trying to kind of do the right thing and be a force for good, I suppose. Um, and the body shop, like, certainly was that, wasn't it? It yep. was amazing. So, yeah. And the first of its kind, really. Absolutely. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, and why flowers is the vehicle for that? Um, well, I guess, look, the I think Little Flowers came about looking at, I guess, looking at the market and just the insight around, um, you know, like when you're in an office and you see flowers getting delivered, it's... It's like the size of them and what exactly they are is not necessarily a key factor, right? It's about the fact that someone's thought of you. Mm. So I think observing those behaviours and also just like ourselves, so myself and my business partners, looking at when you want to send flowers, why you're sending them and what's available, there was just, I guess, an obvious gap there when we started thinking about it. Yeah. Um, So the two things went hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah. it's funny you say that because we were talking the other day and it's obviously recently been Valentine's Day. Yeah. Um, and 
you know, I, uh, I've been married for five years now and unexpectedly received flowers and, um, you know, obviously I've been thinking about you a lot and yeah. thinking about this season and just thinking about obviously that's just general spread of happiness and yeah and know, did you like receiving them oh of course yeah, like who doesn't like exactly. receiving flowers it makes your day right no i know yeah. it really does it's just and it, as you said it, it is that gesture yeah. that um is it's just that oh somebody's thought of me in a way that's very natural and, yeah. and just beautiful and without being pretentious yeah. Yeah. One of when I had started Little Flowers, I was literally doing everything. So going to the market and doing all the customer service, delivering the flowers. Um and it's just so nice because you'd see firsthand the responses. You know, I'd be delivering them so you'd see the response and then I'd text the sender and you'd have a little exchange. And we were very new and it was all very different. Yeah. So you'd have these like, beautiful messages with people. It's just like it's such a good feeling. Um and there was a, I remember there was a guy, I think, no, it was a lady who had um, emailed and she said her husband had sent her flowers for the first time in like 25 years of marriage mm. because he thought they were a waste of money, but ours were affordable. <laughs> <laughs> Therefore, it was okay. You yeah. know, he could justify it. Yeah. Um, and she was obviously delighted. So, yeah. you know, that's, it's pretty special getting messages like that. Um, what, uh, what's one of the most unusual or creative reasons one of your... Um, customers is sent you know, I need to memorize these better because there are so many oh my god I'm put on the spot um I think I think one of my all-time favorites was when there was something curious about the message and again like I was writing I was like this doesn't seem right yeah yeah surely this person's not you know they've they've put the wrong details on um so we rang up and we were like oh, just check did is that who did you mean to send it you know to yourself sort of thing yeah um and Discussed. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to make the guy I fancy at work jealous. <laughs> <laughs> okay, brilliant. <laughs> We're totally with you. Uh, it would be so cool to follow up on those I stories. That's yeah. <laughs> seen if it worked. Yeah, you don't always know how they turn out, but yeah, <laughs> it's very intriguing. Um, so going back to you, in terms of you know your lifestyle shift of yeah. being in you know corporate advertising role wearing your nine inch stilettos <laughs> um moving to you know 4am wake up calls yeah. um at the markets how did you shift in terms of you know your own personal style because obviously that I don't imagine yeah. you're trotting around Just in your all heels all over the shop yeah I think we would probably <laughs> sum that up um yeah I mean it was quite it was quite a tricky time because you know life's sort of been turned upside down you don't earn much money when you're starting business, obviously. So lots of financial pressures. And then I didn't have any of the right outfits, obviously. Um, like anything that's suitable for an office. So even though, I mean, advertising is quite casual, but um, yeah, I didn't have any florist gear, you know, yeah. or career gear, which is what I was doing. Um, and also I was like 35 as well. So it's sort of, I felt very conscious of my job's totally changed. And also I'm getting older and like, what I want to wear is sort of different and I'm not sure not sure to, what to do with it um so I remember there was a big phase of literally just wearing jeans and a black t-shirt every single day um and sweating just constantly and being <laughs> angry because I was so hot <laughs> um yeah so um yeah, so that was, it was Have you found your time. way? <laughs> Have you found your way with it? It's a work in progress, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so what would you yeah. typically wear to work now? Because I imagine you have lots of hats 
on during yeah, the day? Yeah, it, it depends. I mean, like, I think if, if everything's kind of under control and organised, I'll be doing a sort of office role mm-hmm. and I'll put something slightly smarter on. So I still might be in the, the jeans, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I've got that. There's aircon in the office. <laughs> <laughs> so you've, you've got the heat controlled, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You, um, so, yeah, so I, I mean, I'll yeah, probably... Um, what would I be wearing? I don't know, good question. I'm often wearing trousers because they're more practical. Try and get some skirts and dresses in occasionally, yeah. So you've described um, for Little Flowers as a business, you've, you've said before that simplicity is the key. Would you say that's true of your, your actual personal style? Yeah, I think so. I don't. I, I quite like things with a bit of a twist. If I'm feeling brave, mm. so I think as I as I get a bit braver, I'm more eccentric <laughs> with age. <laughs> What's a brave Wait. twist for you, though? I wore a hat into work a little while ago and it got that. lots of comments, positive comments. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I always feel very self conscious when I'm pushing, yeah. pushing out, yeah. out the comfort zone like that. <laughs> it's fun though. And moving forward, like what what's the future for Little Flowers? What is on the agenda in terms of growth of the business or bedding down? What what's kind of the vision moving forward? No, I think there's always things to evolve operationally. Yeah, um, we've come a really long way. But no, it's, it's sort of nice having this time to reflect. You go, God, it was like so crazy at the beginning. Yeah, and we so met we were, when we when you were right. first starting yeah. out. We I probably would said, have pretended it was all under control. Oh, you you seemed incredibly control. under control because we <laughs> obviously it's we like, used <laughs> little flowers to do an editorial um, fashion shoot, and in fact, Josephi was the photographer. Um, so this is quite a nice like little full uh, circle. yeah full yeah. circle but uh yeah you seemed very in control and and I in fact I remember our meeting you were kind of grilling me on exactly how many numbers you know what was oh, this right. audience like quietly and, yeah, panicking. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I had I had zero idea <laughs> um, um yeah so yeah. yeah so I think that's you know that's a constant evolution um and we've been experimenting a bit doing sort of some seasonal offerings and just um yeah, some bigger sizes as well. So it's just kind of, I think the heart of Little Flowers, it's about the gesture and it's about the little bunches. Mm-hmm. But it's nice to be able to offer people a couple of other options as well. Yeah. Um, you know, depending on what they're after. So continuing to spread happiness nonetheless. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's definitely a priority. Um, and in terms of your personal kind of journey, what do you see yourself in ten, 20 years? How do you see yourself... Uh, dressing and representing yourself yeah I don't know like hopefully really well (laughs) (laughs) I think um it's really nice to see in sort of the media um thinking about you know I think over the last 20 years there's been more older ladies in um you know in advertising campaigns and I think um I think yeah I think that there's it's really inspiring when you see older women who are like super super stylish my um business partner's mum is definitely one of these women she's right. in her 60s and yeah. she's like just quite theatrical it's like always just so well put together and she kind of breezes in looking just amazing yeah I don't know how she does it um yeah I think I was saying to you on, on email wasn't I that um she'll like wear dungarees and a hat and some clogs and she'll be doing the gardening but she looks like super cool like she's just yeah. walked off the catwalk yeah. so I'd really like to look like her yeah right <laughs> fashion goals yeah. I think the beauty of as you said there are older women you know more prominent in the media in terms of beauty and fashion and film and you know the arts generally and um 
you know, especially those more eccentric women kind of, it's a funny correlate that traditionally those forms of media kind of, you know, promote youth. And, but personally, women generally feel most insecure, as we were talking about, as teenagers, yeah, and we kind yeah. of find our yeah. our groove as we get older. And that's yet, right, yeah, that's one of the great things, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so, you know, let's hope that we all kind of get that boost of confidence just to, you know, rock the dungarees and clogs yeah, and a hat definitely. and be fabulous yeah. about it. Let's hope so. <laughs> all right, Sarah, well, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing oh, your yeah, star story. Thank you. Okay. Little Flowers strives to put more smiles on more faces more often. And with Sarah at the helm, it's working. From a young age, Sarah has had a commitment to please and an unfaltering desire to do good and has channeled this generous spirit into a business that considers both customers and climate. Whether it was her mother's formidable English garden or a flower crown for her first Holy Communion, Sarah's attraction to flowers bloomed in her formative years and it's this connection to a natural and unpretentious aesthetic coupled with a desire to act as a force of good that define both Sarah's style and her success. Thanks for listening. And if you've enjoyed hearing this style story, please feel free to subscribe to the podcast and give it a rating to help other like-minded listeners find these stylish stories.